good day to you and welcome to our broadcast here on Monday morning. We are studying the great book of Hebrews and we're in chapter 2. I'm Pastor Curtis Hutchinson. I'm glad to be proclaiming the supremacy of Christ given to us in the book of Hebrews. How blessed, truly blessed, and highly favored of the Lord we are to be able to uh, have the Word of God. Do you realize that Bibles have only been in print probably between five and four hundred years before that. They were just writings of, of, of the, the language it was in back then and very few copies and the pre, most of the priests that had the copies that were over uh, towns and cities and, and all that kind of thing, they, they couldn't even read it. So they just led by superstition and I'm telling you, we are a blessed people to have the Word of God in these last days before us, learning Christ in the Scriptures. There is absolutely nothing like it that exists on the planet. And I'm thankful to be here on Mondays and Thursdays sharing this great truth of Christ in the book of Hebrews. And so you can find these, however you're watching right now, which could be my Pastor Curtis Facebook page or the YouTube channel, Curtis Hutchinson 316, or you can find these broadcasts uploaded later to our website, thecrosswaychurch.com, and also if you'll get the Spreaker app on your smartphone, you'll find my channel for those who have ears to hear, and everything I do anywhere is going to be there in audio form. And so praise God for all the avenues God has given us to get the gospel out, the full gospel out in these last days. Hallelujah. Here we are again, Hebrews chapter 2. I will begin in verse 1 again. This is part 2 today here on this 8th day of February in 2021. Therefore we, that's you and me, child of God, ought to give the more earnest heed, and as we discussed in the first session, that means the superabounding place of interest and attention to and thriving for, and as Paul would tell the church at Philippi, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Hallelujah. Because that is what we've heard that saved us. That is what we heard that justified us and sanctified us and, and will one day glorify us. That is what we've heard that gave us light, that revealed to us our God in the person and the work of our Lord Jesus Christ. So therefore, we've got to give our full, undivided attention, yes, to the Word of God, but in the gospel context. For every word of God is in righteousness, Proverbs 8 and 8. And His righteousness is only revealed in the gospel. Amen. His, his righteousness is only revealed in the gospel from faith, to faith, and faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God, if it's in the context of righteousness, which is what Jesus did at Calvary. If it's not in that context, it's not faith that comes and moves us forward into the things of God. It's flesh that comes and keeps us crippled and paralyzed. Thank God for the revelation of that, the illumination from God's word of that powerful truth. And I believe the church has been crippled and paralyzed actually for centuries. Millions have been saved. But I, I, I dare, very, very few 
up until the last 24, 25 years ever knew. Some did. Rarely. Never on a, on a scale like people are finding out, God's people are learning today and able to hear today. Never before at this level. Never before in this length of time, which it's been about 24 years since this truth of the cross has as it pertains to our daily living, has crept back into their church and stayed this long because the devil will try to stamp this truth out because this is the only truth that is not self-transformational. All other things brought to us that are self-transformational, all other schemes and things of men, the, the purpose-driven, the government of 12, the, uh, this book, that book, and if I say these things, it, everything other but faith in the cross is self-transformational and produces self-righteousness and not the righteousness of Christ. And I'm telling you, folks, this message is crept back into the church some 24 years ago, thereabout. And I believe it's the longest span in history that this message has had the platform it has. And churches birthed, being birthed upon this great truth the Apostle Paul had. I also understand many have started preaching it and realized it wasn't the money maker, it wasn't the popularity that they thought they might have, and they dropped out. Listen, this message doesn't bring a pat on the back. This message brings those who are hurting and desperate to God. This message is the power of God to be saved and to live saved and to become those that would live on the meat and not the milk and, and to grow and to mature and not to be crippled and paralyzed and, and bound and, and, and having to fake it and pretend. But the reality of walking with God is found when one comes back to Calvary and continues to trust in the very work of of Christ's death afforded us there at the cross. Hallelujah. Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we've heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. That means pass away. And here, notice this. I hope you get this. Maybe you've never seen this. Maybe you have. There's two things happening here, and it's our choice which one we're going to be a part of. We're going to be a part of taking, giving the more earnest heed to that which we've heard, meaning the gospel now, and, and thrusting forth to strive together with a, with a group of people somewhere for the, for the faith of the gospel. Or, or, you're going to slip away. And just because I'm in church every week, taking notes every week, listening to Christian music every week, reading my Bible every week, praying every week, doesn't mean what I've heard that brought me into the kingdom, what I've heard that'll keep me in the kingdom, what I've heard that'll allow me to bear fruit doesn't mean that I'm not letting it slip away. I might have an outward look of being really faithful, but if my faith is not exclusively in Christ and what he did at Calvary, I've got a form while I'm denying the power. And that's, that's prominent in these last days. It's declared it's going to happen in these last days. Well, don't be led by those around you. Be led by the Spirit of God who will only direct you according to God's Word. And we need to remember that. For if the Word spoken by angels was steadfast and every transgression, let, let's say that again, 
Every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward. How shall we escape? Now, I know commentary writers from the past didn't have the understanding in some of the things we do today. They didn't, 99.9999% of them, if you can find any that wrote in their commentaries in the past about this, how the cross of Christ pertains to our daily living, more than just initial salvation. And most of what you read from the past is also men who have justification right. But as I was reading behind one recent, real recently, he says that the writer of Hebrews was in no way talking about you could lose your salvation. And see, that just comes from a, a false concept, a, her, a, a, a heresy, and that which is of the enemy. Because there's too many scriptures in the New Covenant that tell us you can't lose it like I can't find it and I want it. That's not losing it. Losing it is just letting it slip away because when it's slipping away, you know it's slipping away. And if you don't know it's slipping away, that's what you have the word for. And if we'd be obedient, children of God, and study the word, God would show us in the word at times when we're allowing what, we've, what we have to slip away. Watch. How shall we escape if we neglect? How shall we escape? If we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him, and again, in here in the second session, I want to bring this out, the writer of Hebrews is saying that the, the great salvation which first began to be spoken by the Lord confirmed to us by them that heard him pretty much lets us know that the writer of Hebrews wasn't one of them who walked with him and heard him. So that's a good sign. It might be the Apostle Paul that wrote this, but nevertheless it's the Holy Spirit who instructed whoever wrote it to write it, and we have it today. God also, bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders, and with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost, according to his own will. I'm telling you, when Jesus showed up, Jesus began to reveal that he was the Son of God, the Lamb of God that came to take away the sin of the world. Signs and wonders, miracles like man could not have ever even fathomed with his mind. There was no way. And God had worked miracles even under the old covenant. But it, no one could have ever imagined the things that Jesus was able to carry out by the Holy Spirit. And after Jesus went, returned to heaven to be seated at the right hand of his heavenly Father, the apostles and the disciples worked miracles. Miracles still take place today. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are still in the church today. Don't be led astray. Don't be told that the Holy Spirit doesn't work in the same way he worked in the early church. He does. And you're going to see a greater move of God the closer we get to the return of the Lord. 
greater good. That's why do you think the message of the cross has been ushered back in some 24 years ago? Right here at the very closeout of this age called the times of the Gentiles. Jesus taught it in the book of Luke that there is an era of time, an era, a cutout segment of time called the times of the Gentiles. We are the Gentiles. God turned away from Israel. He, he, he denied them. He rejected them only because they rejected him. And when he did, when he rejected them for rejecting him, he turned his attention to the whole world of Gentiles. And thanks be to God for that. You can read about that in Romans chapter 11. But God also bearing them witness, those that walked with Christ, both with signs and wonders and with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his own will. For unto the angels has he not put in subjection the world to come whereof we speak. The world that's coming, the, the world that's coming, angels are not going to be in charge. Angels are not in charge now. Have, have you not ever heard that angels do not even have the privilege of presenting the gospel? Angels are ministering spirits to those who will be heirs of salvation. They can minister to those in certain avenues, but they don't preach the gospel. That's given to men. And men will rule in the world to come because Christ came and took rulership back, took death from the devil, Hebrews 2.14, and justified a believing people for the ages to come. And the angels have not, God has not made the world to come subject to the angels. Look, verse 6, But one in a certain place testified, saying, What is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you visitest him? And again, when we're walking with the Lord, it all, often it comes to our minds. God, how could you love us so much? How could you give us so much? How could you actually give us the earth? The book of Psalms tells us that the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth he's given to men. This is why, this is why there's such evil and corruption and sin and iniquity and wickedness and death in the earth because the, the earth was given to men. Men had the authority of God, but men had the authority to rule and to reign in the image of God. But when men, when man disobeyed God, sin entered in, wickedness, evil, every ounce of sin came rushing in, brought death with it, and continues to expand today. Hell, Isaiah said, is even enlarging itself. Think about that. And at times we have to say, how could you love us so much when we're so pitiful, we're so sinful? You, you, you loved us and saved us while we were even yet sinners. You love me in spite of me. You, you, you care for me. You, you tend to me. When I fall, you, you help me up. When, when I, I look away, you, 
remind me the direction to be looking. When 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 I've strayed away and, and, and my heart is broken and I look back and, and I think I'll run to you, all I do is take one step in your direction and, and I find you outrunning me to me to get me back in the place with you that I should be. What are we that you're even mindful of us? Let me remind you who we are. That God is mindful of us. We're the people of his covenant. He's forever mindful of his covenant. And he's forever mindful of the people of his covenant. He chose us in Christ. He loves us in Christ. His eternity in the future has been planned out for us in and with Christ. Hallelujah. We lost our authority. We lost our rulership. We lost everything. And the only thing we stepped into was sin and death and evil beyond our imagination. But Jesus came, reconciled us back to God through the shedding of his own blood. We've been forgiven and are living out the deliverance of what he did at Calvary every day. And there's nothing that can hold you and keep you held in some bondage if you will continue to look to Jesus and what he did at the cross. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Let's read verse 6 again. Again, But one in a certain place testified, saying, What is man that you are mindful of him? Hallelujah. And, and, and I want you to see this is in Psalms chapter 8, verses 4 through 6. Let's just go back and see where the precious Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, reached back into the treasures of the old covenant. The scriptures are about Jesus, he said, and pulled that gold mine right out of the old to show it to us in the new where we, we don't just have to walk in a type and shadow. We have the light of Christ now to look at what the Holy Spirit pulls out of the old and sets in the new covenant for us to, to gaze upon and behold the beauty of our precious Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Watch this, Psalms chapter 8, verses 4 through 6. What is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? For you have made him a little lower than the angels and have crowned him with glory and honor. You made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. Now that is precious, my friend. That is precious. And if you'll skip down real quick in Hebrews 2 and 9, we'll go back. I'm not going to skip over anything, but look at Hebrews 2 and 9. But we see Jesus. Mm. Why don't you just say that right now? Because if you're looking back to Calvary and you're trusting in the work of Christ performed for you at Calvary, you see Jesus. You don't see Jesus any other way. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, looking unto Jesus. And there, as well as here, it refers to what he did at the cross. Watch this. Hebrews 2 and 9. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor 
You saw it in the Old Covenant, Psalms 8, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. Not some men, not just those who would believe, as is written by some of the old scholars who missed, missed the boat on that one. Because here, I'm a Bible believer. I don't need you to come along and tell me, yeah, I see that written, but you can keep your butts wherever you want to keep them, but don't bring your butts to me. It is written. I'm sticking with it is written. Not it is written, but Jesus never did that. It is written. He intensified. You, you say, I know some of you say, well, no, Jesus said, you, 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 you've heard it is written, but I say unto you, and he didn't change the meaning. He just intensified. He just turned the light on of a deeper meaning. Meaning, he didn't, he didn't change direction. Uh-uh. God don't change directions. Hallelujah. <laughs> God don't change directions. He is moving straight ahead. Hallelujah. And it's always been about Jesus, what he would do at Calvary to reconcile us back to God so we could see Jesus. And in seeing Jesus, he said, we've seen the Father. Glory to God. But the only way we see Jesus is if we look into what he did <coughs> for us at Calvary. Let's go over to Hebrews 12 since we're mentioning that today. And let's look at that. Hebrews Hebrews 12, watch now, wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Okay, how? How am I going to lay that? Those, those sins aside, that, that sin that's besetting me so easily, and how am I going to run the race that's set before me? Verse 2, looking unto Jesus. And here again, this and in Hebrews 2 where we are are the two places in the New Covenant that tell us really what it means to see Jesus, to be looking unto Jesus. It shows us where we have to be looking to see him properly. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, I wanted to bring that out because Hebrews 2 and 9 and Hebrews 12 and 2 show us in the Word, it is written, what it means to see Jesus, to look upon Jesus to be able to run the race, to be able to have the grace of God, we've got to look upon Him as the Son of God, becoming the Lamb, Lamb of God to bring us into the kingdom of God through His death, to give us daily grace. And let me say it now, and I need too often, that what Jesus did at Calvary in our faith there is for far more than just sin not dominating my life anymore. As a matter of fact, if my faith is not there, the sin nature is dominating me, even if it's not through the old vices it used to, even if now it's just through the sinful, subtle, deceptive spirit of pride and religion. I want you to hear that. A lot of people are not going back to their old sinful ways that were, they know what they were, but now they're in a 
big boat of subtle deception, and it's sinking, my friend. The sin nature, no matter what you think, is dominating you when your faith is not in the cross. The cross of Christ, your faith in the work of Christ at Calvary is the only thing that crucified the old man and keeps that sin nature, that old man, from reviving. Never forget the Apostle Paul writing in Romans chapter 7, verse 9, I was alive once without the law. Now, he was never alive until he was born again. Make sure you note that so it's not talking about before he was saved. He was alive once without the law. That means when he trusted in Christ. But when the commandment came, that means when he looked back to the law, sin, the sin nature, revived. And Paul said, I died. Think about that. Think about that. That means he began to walk in a place where the fruit of the Spirit could not be there in his life. Could not be experienced in his life. Not until he realized that his faith had to be in Christ and his work at Calvary alone. And that's why the Apostle Paul said, I'm determined to know absolutely nothing but Christ and him crucified. Let's look at this now. Verse 7. You made him a little lower than the angels. You crowned him with glory and honor. And did set him over the works of thy hands. You have put all things in subjection under his feet. Now he's talking about Christ here. You see, God gave the earth to men, the authority to men, but men lost it. And only Christ could come from heaven. You've heard false prophets, very, very false, very much liars, say that if they would have had the knowledge Christ had, they could have been the Redeemer. Well, my friends, listen very carefully. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 45 and 46 tell us that Jesus is the last Adam and he is the Lord that came from heaven. And these men that say if they would have had the knowledge that Christ had, they could have been the Redeemer. They could have been the one that redeemed them. No, no. They're sinners. Christ, they didn't come from heaven. They've never been to heaven to be able to come from heaven. <laughs> See how sinful and foolish and full of folly those thoughts are. Jesus Christ is the only begotten of God. He's the only Son of the living God that came from heaven. Amen. He is not just a son of God. Adam in the Bible is even called a son of God. Jesus is God the Son. Hallelujah. He's the Lord that came from heaven. Again, 1 Corinthians 15, 45, and 46, if you're taking notes. But verse 8 says, You have put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. But now we see not yet all things put under him. We don't see it yet. We don't see all things yet put under the feet of Jesus and, and under his rulership, although he is above all, before all, and in charge of all. All. Now, we don't see that yet because we see evil attempting and believing they're ruling. 
We know they, they only rule in their own vain minds. He, even when they think they're overcoming uh, the move of God, God's righteousness and God's people, they're only opposing themselves and screaming out uh, 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 rebellions against God and, and listen, great roars against God and they have to do it against God's people. You know, when you're, when, when you're here on the earth and you're throwing rocks at God, you have to throw it at the target that represents God. So don't think it's strange when you're being criticized and persecuted for sticking with the way of the cross because that is the, the, the place God uh, displayed and declared himself and his righteousness to all people and all who oppose God, it's because they're opposing his way. And when they're opposing his way, they have to throw rocks at God by throwing them at those who are in the way of righteousness, traveling that narrow road. Because all men know there's a God. All men, until they're saved, hate God and love their own sinful ways, the darkness they're in. And, and until they repent, there will, there will be a jealousy and an envy. Because God made us with eternity in our hearts. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 11, I believe it is. And he's given us a creation to see there's a creator. And he's given us a conscience with his moral laws written in our hearts. All of us. Romans 2, 14 and 15. So, we're blessed. Hallelujah. We don't see all things put under him. But we see Jesus. We see Jesus. The one who God has put all things under his subjection. We see him. We don't see everything yet as, as, as subject to him. But all things are subject to him. But what we do see is Jesus. Hallelujah. We'll start right here this Thursday morning. Be sure and tune in with us at 8.30 a.m. on Mondays and Fridays for this Hebrews teaching presently going on. And Friday mornings at 9 a.m. for our Second Timothy Bible study. Be sure and share these sessions with your friends, co-workers, relatives, church members, pastors, whoever. Help us publish God's words of truth in their righteous context, which means they'll always be pointed to Jesus and what he did at Calvary. Hallelujah. And don't forget to pray for us, praying for you, praying God moves mightily in every area of your life that you need a touch from him today. Today is the day of our salvation. You can sow into this good ground where the Lord is blessing you and teaching you and ministering to you through this ministry here at Crossway Church in Queen City, Texas. And you can do that at the website, thecrosswaychurch.com, or you can text the word GIVE to the number 903-231-5950. God bless you all and thank you for your help in helping us do all that God's called us to do from this great place right here. God bless you. We love you. Until next time, stay determined to know absolutely nothing but Christ and Him crucified. We'll see you then.